Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill, check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. Welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy live here in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host joining me as always from Long Island, New York, Paul Hornstein. Paul, how are you doing this evening? Uh, we're not doing too bad, Scott. Uh, I, I've been uh, having interesting conversations all day, not necessarily about sports, but uh, so it must mean I have a little bit of energy and I must be feeling much better than I was a few weeks ago. <laughs> Trust me, folks, on my, my my tweets and my text messages, Paul is feeling better. Uh, and we're happy to say that that is a good thing, uh, not only for the hockey world, but for all of us here at Ice Time Hockey Southwest and, uh, you know, just the world in, in general. Because, Paul, your, your energy and uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? Thoughts. How about that? Your energy and thoughts are perfect for what we need in this uh, – craziness that we're going through as the uh, pandemic, the uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, continues to saddle the entire world and the sports yeah. world and the hockey world. Uh, first of all, Paul, how are things uh, in New York? I know you're you're locked down in your house, but from what you uh, hear and uh, from what we hear, how are things? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I'd love to say that uh, everything is is going well but uh, this is the place you know this the new york city area is the place that's been the hardest hit and uh, you know um I, I really am trying to follow things as much as i can uh, without really throwing stuff at my television. Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, how that sounds or, 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 or what it seems like outside of just really not uh, just doing the things that, that I need to do as much as I can without going stir crazy. Um, uh, the, the, the governor and the mayor are having their little pissing matches, uh, <laughs> over whether the schools will be closed until September or not. Uh, and the meanwhile, you know, I just do what I have to do. Eventually somebody will come to a decision that, 
tells me whether I go back at some point before the end of June or what have you. Uh, uh, or they won't. Who the heck knows? Uh, the mayor's fighting with the governor. The governor's fighting with the president. The president's fighting with this person. That person's fighting with this person. <laughs> yeah, okay. I hear you. Well, uh, on that note, and, and I'm not trying to make light of this at all, but as I watched the news tonight before we got on the podcast and I see that the three hottest spots for coronavirus are New York City, New Jersey, and the Navajo Nation right here in Arizona, New Mexico, and, and Utah. And when you see that, you just this whole thing kind of puts things into perspective, right? And, and I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, I've been to New York City a few times, but while I've been there, uh, I couldn't stay six feet away from a person, at least in the inner city of Manhattan, if I wanted to. It's just no, so can't. congested, you know? So, yeah. I mean, um, when, you, when you think about that, you go like, how in the world are you guys social distancing? And I know you're on Long Island, so it's a little bit different, but still just the population base. And, you know, tonight we got a uh, great, a great uh, a show coming up for you. We're going to talk a little Sun Devil hockey as always. We have a great guest coming on from the Des Moines Buccaneers USHL hockey team, the director of broadcast and communications, I believe. And I'm going to give this one a shot right now, Paul. Ben Gillison. Gillison. Did I get it right? Yeah. Say well, see, there we go. Gislison. Yeah. Just listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I could listen. I, I've listened to the video he sent us a thousand times, and I could still be getting it wrong. But uh, well, tr trust usually me. I have to be embarrassed. Sometimes I have to be embarrassed to making sure I have it right. And I know well, Ben's well, listening already, but uh, uh, Ben, hopefully I got it right. At least one of us did. Uh, well, I here's the deal. We, you'd probably hang up, but you know. Hey. <laughs> here's the deal. Ben is the uh, is the voice of uh, Dubuque or Dubuque, nope, Des Moines. Des Moines. Buccaneers hockey and uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah and I'm certain that he will tell us the correct way to pronounce his last name so um, looking forward to that uh, we got a few minutes just to chat before we bring him on at about oh I don't know nine minutes or so but um, a lot of things continue to happen in the hockey world people keep right. talking about is there going to be games played uh, on our pro hockey Southwest weekly podcast last night I said you know I've come to the realization now that my co-host there, Seth Askelson, told me about six weeks ago that when this started happening, he's going like, I don't think we're going to see hockey this year. And I'm going like, oh, Seth, come on, let's be optimistic. And now I'm starting to look at it like, you know what? Let's just put this stuff aside. Let's just get well. Let's try to find a vaccine. Let's try to get everybody healed. Let's try to restart our economy. And then let's go in. If, like, the, if the draft could happen as normal, and the mini camps in the NHL and next season could start as all. Well. I think everybody, when they would look back at it in retrospect, they would say, you know what? I think, uh, you know, that the, uh, the entire season being wiped out is a terrible thing, but yet it's a good thing. Just start fresh, just get things going. And, you know, with NCAA hockey, that's what's had to happen, right? I mean, last weekend well, would have been the Frozen Four. Right. And they gave the awards out, the, the Hobie Baker, yeah. the Richter Award, all of those things, the All-Americans. So, um, you know, I think that's just the way to do it, in my opinion. Well, I, I, I kind of have had a lot of these discussions, too. Um, I, I, I'm guessing that if, you know, the, the way I look at it is 
the fall sports, if we can get them to start on time, then we'll, 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 uh, we will have been okay. We will have made it through. Um, baseball, honestly, I don't see that happening uh, until July, and they'll play some sort of half season or something along those lines. I, I know they're trying to figure out a way to play a 162 games. And I don't know if anybody from Major League Baseball is listening, but don't give me this seven inning garbage. Play either play yeah. play the games the right way or don't play. Or don't, play. don't insult exactly. my intelligence on a game that has lived and died for a hundred plus years on numbers. You're gonna play seven inning games, cut the crap, play the nine innings if you get to play it all. And stop trying to Jimmy rig the game. Okay. There you go, um, folks. I told you he was feeling better. His thoughts are the, coming out. <laughs> the, uh, the NFL draft coming up whenever that is, and I don't know what the date is. I don't care if they show it on whiteboards and just have the general managers turn over their turn over their little whiteboards like <laughs> Tim Russert did on the news about ten years ago before he passed right. away. It will have the highest ratings of any NFL draft ever on TV because it'll be the first Only live thing. sports <laughs> of any sort since all this went down in the middle of March. And people will be jonesing for it, and they will hang on every word. Okay. And like I so, said, hopefully things will start in September on time. So on that note, the, uh, the coveted Hobie Baker, the best, quote, player in – uh, college hockey went to surprise, surprise, another UMD Bulldog. That's six oh, of them sorry. now. Scott Perunovich uh, wins the award. Another defenseman, back to back defenseman. Um, Does anybody outside of Duluth vote for this thing? <laughs> well, I didn't, and I'm outside of Duluth, so I don't have yeah. a vote. But uh, congratulations to Scott Perunovich. That was uh, another great honor yeah. for him. Um, I'm not trying to take uh, anything away from him either. I'm just breaking your child. I, I hear you. And and then the goaltender, the Richter Award, went to who, Paul? Uh, I believe it went to Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, I think you were kind of talking about that a couple of weeks ago, but maybe Swayman could sneak in there, weren't you? Um, well, he really was, somebody was the else reason why. I don't know, but he <laughs> really was the reason why uh, uh, Maine was anywhere even close to the NCAA tournament. They had a second half that was off the charts. And they were a real threat in the Hockey East tournament had they played it. But uh, I'm not surprised. And this is not a knock on Dryden McKay. This is not a knock on Hunter Shepard. Um, but Swayman was pretty much single-handedly the reason why uh, Maine was even a threat. And uh, he signed with the Bruins in the last week. Perinovich, uh, I, I think... No, he didn't. He, I think he signed too, didn't he? Yeah, I believe he's uh, going to St. Louis. Yeah, he signed with with, with St. Louis. Well, I, uh, I don't know if anybody's actually signed yet, Paul, or if it's all just a Well, let's terms. put it this way: yeah. read the contract. <laughs> if that means right? anything, but yeah, yeah I, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess yeah, to be so technical, it it's agreed to terms, but you know, yeah. uh, we all know it's going to happen eventually. But congratulations yeah. to those two. The All Americans came out. Uh, they were kind of as anybody would have expected in the hockey world. The ASU, the Sun Devils got snubbed. Not even a second teamer for uh, 
for Brinson Pashnuk or James Sanchez or Johnny Walker or any of the guys that had incredible seasons. So, you know, it's back to business as usual for Sun Devil Hockey. You just have to continue to plow along. And, you know, I don't know when that respect's going to come. I guess it's when you get into the national tournament a couple of years in a row and you make some noise when you're there. Or maybe it's going to take all the way along until you you win a national championship before people start to realize that Greg Powers is doing a fantastic job here Honestly, in the desert don't southwest. I know I, you don't, I, but I'm just, I I'm don't, just saying that. I, I understand you know what? what you're saying, and that's the, the only thing that will happen is time. And you know what? It may never happen because – you know, uh, certain places are not going to respect what ASU has or is doing no matter what. Uh, we're not going to get into the same old places with the same old arguments and the same old people. <laughs> um, and well, I'm thinking of a couple of places in particular. But Well, we got know, the middle hey. of summer to do that, Paul. We got the middle of yeah. summer we can get on that. <laughs> let's, get to, let's get to Ben. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back with the uh, – the Broadcasting and Communications Director with the Des Moines Buccaneers Hockey in just a minute. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs. I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, and we are back. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paul Hornstein joining me, my co-host as always from Long Island, New York, and it's time to bring on our uh, our special guest tonight. We uh, we love doing this, Paul, because we get some insight away from the desert south yet southwest, but yet we get the uh, knowledge um, of hockey and guys that are coming to the desert southwest. So, without further ado, let's introduce the uh, the director of broadcasting and communications for Des Moines um, Buccaneers Hockey, Ben. Gillison, is that right? Gillison. 
Gisselson, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I getting it close, Ben? <laughs> it's it's interesting. I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it butchered a million different ways in 28 years of existence now. And uh, you were you were very close. So uh, we'll give you. Uh, I give you 85 percent, Scott. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. You got Scott and Paul with you. First of all, welcome in, and I hope you are safe. Uh, are you in in Des Moines now, or are you uh, moved on from there? That's correct. I'm still here in Des Moines. Uh, recently uh, married as of September, met a girl from down here. So we're, we're at our house and uh, we're staying safe and, and as best as we can. And, and we're, uh, uh, God willing, all healthy right now. Uh, family's healthy right now. So, so far, so good for uh, my clan and uh, just trying to do our part as best we can with social distancing and uh, washing hands and, and then doing our best to obviously follow the instructions by uh, the governor here in Iowa, and so on and so forth. But yeah, crazy times, and it's a crazy time to be a part of the sporting world, that's for sure. And I'm I'm one of uh, you know a handful of people that have been blessed in the fact that our organization still finds me useful. Um, so they're still they're still paying me during this time because um, you know we, we laugh about it, but in a broadcasting profession right now, that's not always the case for some of the colleagues that we have around sports. So I'm I'm very lucky and blessed to still be working. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Mean, go, go ahead, ahead Paul. Scott. Nah, first no, first of all, just, uh, uh, congratulations uh, on being a newlywed. Uh, and I want to thank, thank you. your wife for letting you uh, have some time to do this with us this week. Yeah, she's an early uh, – she goes to bed pretty early, so I, I'm trying not to be too loud here down in uh, my office. But she's upstairs, I think, probably already asleep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> normally around this time I'd be getting ready to go to sleep too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, – but as uh, since the schools are closed, I have to figure out how to do this online, and, and it, it is not it is not my cup of tea, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, you know, I and this is not a disrespect to my coworkers who teach academic subjects. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this whole phys ed thing on a computer because oh, it is geez. the opposite <laughs> of what I'm supposed to do. So, um, you know, but. Uh, we appreciate uh, you coming on with us this week. And, uh, Scott, I'll let you uh, fire away. Uh, you don't want to start with the hockey first or, or well, dig I, up some I wanna... dirt on, on Ben first? No, I want to get some. I want to get some dirt if that's what it is on Ben. But, Ben, did I see that you are, are an alum from Concordia College up in Moorhead, Minnesota? That's correct. I, uh, I actually I had a, a bit of a wayward journey there. I, I was a college hockey player and a student at St. Olaf College in Minnesota playing NCAA Division Three for two seasons. And I was halfway through there and, and you're playing Division Three hockey. Your aspirations of pro are relatively small. And I knew that. And I, uh, I got halfway through and said, I'm about halfway to becoming an English professor and not to knock that profession, but I, I knew what I wanted to do. And I wanted to get into the broadcast side and St. Olaf didn't necessarily have what I was looking for. So I, Concordia was a place that they were after me when I was playing junior hockey in the North American league. And I, I knew they had a, a journalism program. And so I made the move and I've been grateful every day since for making that move for a lot of reasons, education included. Well, I grew up about 90 miles to the uh, northeast of you in northwestern Minnesota, a little tiny town about 45 miles uh, straight west of uh, Bemidji. So um, I know that area pretty well. It's been a long time. Okay. I've been out here for nearly 30 years. So You've had quite climate change. Yeah, absolutely. I, I came out here to play golf, and, 
and after golf, uh, after I got too old to play golf, hockey, hockey resurfaced at Arizona State, and that's the road that we want to uh, talk about. Paul and I uh, have a passion for not only Arizona State hockey, but hockey in the desert southwest. Uh, we cover uh, college and professional hockey here, so we've got the Golden Knights, the, the uh, Arizona Coyotes, the Tucson Roadrunners, the soon-to-be AHL Henderson Silver Knights, and next year we're going to get the uh, – whatever they're going to be, Palm Springs team from uh, the affiliate from Seattle. So a lot of hockey going on here, but uh, Arizona State hockey is what we talk about on Tuesday nights. And so glad to have you on because so many of our players come through the USHL. It's the, you know, the obvious stepping ground. But um, let's start first and foremost with the guy that's uh, making his way down to us. Uh, I think he wore number 15 for you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. Michael Mancinelli, uh, he's, he's a good one. Sun Devils are getting a guy that, uh, you know, he's a, he's a three-year USHL guy, began in Madison, uh, spent half the year with Fargo two seasons ago, came to us mid-season, uh, I think right at the turn of, of 2019 in the 18-19 season, and was an instant impact guy, uh, and he's a player that I think has a real nose for the net. When he's playing at his best, he doesn't leave the net front very often, and he's very good with the rebound game. He gets a lot of sticks on pucks coming through from the blue line. Uh, he's got a real nose for the net. He's a junkyard dog type player when he's at his best, and uh, I think Arizona State will be happy with what they'll get out of Michael Mancinelli, and I sure know he's excited to make his way to the desert. As we sit here, uh, just based off the the, the, the ASU website, um, He's coming in as basically a 19-year-old. Do you think that that will affect him in any way um, in terms of his transition to the, the the college game? I mean, I think that's the purpose of junior hockey, right, it is you do see the occasional player that will come to junior as a 16-, 17-year-old and leave as an 18-year-old, but primarily you're looking for guys to – have a little bit of salt and pepper to their game over the course of maybe their 18 to 19 year or some 19 to 20 year. And you can still come in with your eligibility the same and be a freshman, but at the age of 19. So yeah, Paul, I think that that, that will make a huge impact and, and it will mean that depending on how he shakes out in the lineup, that he's a guy that I'm sure coach powers might be looking at to be uh, more of an instantaneous impact guy as a freshman, as opposed to if he were coming in fresh out of high school hockey or midget hockey, he might have a little bit more of that adjustment period to get used to the college pace. And not that there's not a jump from the USHL to college, but the USHL jump to college hockey is much less of a jump than it is from high school to college or midget to college. Um, when you say that uh, he's a guy who will uh, stick his, just basically plant himself in front of the net uh, and tip pucks in. Uh, that clearly is your first instinct in what to talk about. What will surprise us about his game uh, outside of that? It's a good question. I, I think, I mean, I don't know if it's as much of a surprise, but I, I think mm. it's interesting. I think about Mancinelli and the course of how I've seen him over, well, almost two seasons, but we didn't finish this year and he didn't start with us last year. But right. um, I, I think when I've seen him playing at his best, uh, he has a very ferocious mentality to his game where he's not dirty, he's not cheap, but he never shies away from a check. 
And I, I think about this year, he had a stretch where he went uh, almost two months with just one goal to his record. And it happens to everybody where you go sure. over long stretches of time where you're just, you're not having success. And he scored after that stretch. And, but the lead up to that goal was he kind of lost that swagger. He lost that physical play. All of a sudden he, he found it again. And I don't know where it came from, but he found it again. He started to lay the body a little bit. He started to play with that swagger and that jump. And then all of a sudden he finished the last 11 games of the season, seven goals, three assists. So um, clearly I, I think watching him enough, I think when he is playing at his finest, there's a, an element of an edge to his game that he plays with that. Again, I don't know if it'll be a surprise, but it'll be a pleasant surprise if it does surprise anybody. That's for sure. Um, did he play on special teams much at all? I'm sorry, Scott, you get the next question. Yeah, definitely. He was a special teams guy. I, I saw him rotate a little bit. Again, they had him at the net front a lot because of his prowess for, again, redirecting pucks and being able to control rebounds and tuck the puck up under the bar. But he also went out to the outside a few times, too, because he's got a pretty good release on his one-timer. Uh, and so they utilized that a little bit. Our coaching staff did this season. Um, so he was a pretty much a special teams guy from start to finish. And I did, did a little bit of duty on the penalty kill as well, if I remember correctly. Okay. So, so Ben, you know, Coach Powers always tells me that when he recruits players, he looks for letter, letter players wearing an A or a C. But he also looks for leaders that maybe aren't wearing the letter but have shown leadership. What do you see from, from Michael? Is he, uh, is he a leader? Or is he more of a guy that just kind of fits into any group? I, he's definitely a leader. He wore a letter for a reason on our team this year. And, and I, again, I, I go back to that stretch he had where he was struggling. And there was a loss the team had up in Fargo uh, where the next night the coaching staff chose to sit a few captains to send a message, Michael being one of them. And that was the beginning of that stretch where Mancinelli found his game again. I think he took he took that that – challenge from the coaching staff the right way uh, a leader would have shied away from that maybe a little bit and and, and taken a different route and uh, clearly it worked because Mancinelli was as good as he'd been throughout the course of the season after that obviously difficult adjustment for him to make that night in Fargo and um, so he was a, a leader for a reason and he wore an A for a reason so he definitely wasn't a, a follower type to answer your question. Just out of curiosity, he originally committed to North Dakota. Did uh, did he ever give a re- not that? And we're not going to get into this because Scott knows how I feel. Um, um, and and obviously from November to February or later than that, uh, with no dis well, Tempe is not exactly the worst place to be. Did, was there ever a reason or or any discussion as to to, to why that and why he made that change in his mind was it just or was it just something that was never asked or uh, because you know North Dakota is a blue blood and ASU is a startup so uh, I, I'm just curious if that was ever discussed in any way. If it was, it was discussed in a room where I was not allowed to be in. Okay. Uh, I, I can tell you that much. I I don't have. Uh, a reason for why that change happened. I mean, I know, for example, we had uh, a goaltender of ours who was also previously committed to the University of North Dakota, Cameron Rowe. He also decommitted from there and is now headed into Wisconsin this season. So 
I, I think at a school like North Dakota, maybe they clearly kind of get who they want. And, you know, maybe at some point down the road as a commit, you start to look at the writing on the wall and, and, and see right. where, where, where does my place fit in there? And, um, again, this is speculation. This is not coming from the mouth of Michael Mancinelli. And, and maybe I that totally understand that. Yeah. yeah, I totally understand that. Maybe that was the journey that Mancinelli was on. I don't know. Um, but but I do know what I do know is is he's he's spoken very highly about how excited he is to join Coach Powers and the Sun Devils. And uh, I know he's also excited about Ryan O'Reilly committing there. Those two are, are, are chummy together from back in their time playing at Madison together. Uh, and so mm-hmm. who knows, maybe, maybe that could be an early line combo, knowing that those guys have previous chemistry from some seasons past. Well, before we get to him, because I, I'd like to get to uh, the, uh, all of the uh, ASU commits that came out of the USHL, because you got to see him firsthand. Um, mm-hmm. You've been in Des Moines now for, uh, uh, what's it, uh, three seasons or part of three Correct. seasons? Yep, three seasons, three full years. What is the, I hate to use the word reputation, but what are the feelings about the Sun Devil program uh, in Des Moines and, and, and in the places that, you, that, that, that it's taken you? I, I think it's interesting, you know, I tuned into the first 15 minutes before the, of the podcast here before I jumped on, and it, it was interesting to hear you guys talk about when will ASU get that recognition, and and I, I think that's kind of what maybe the viewpoint is from around hockey right now. It's that, obviously, Arizona State is very new to the Division One landscape, not new to the hockey landscape, considering the success they had at ACHA level Division One in years past prior to their turn to the Division One NCAA level, but... You know, my response to that question, uh, Paul and Scott, of when would there be recognition is it just takes someone to get that recognition, right? And and you never right. know who that guy's going to be or what it's going to take for that guy to get into an All-American list or be on the ballot for a Hobie Baker. But it's just that once one of those dominoes falls, it'll almost solve all of a sudden overnight you might go, okay, well, ASU has legitimized themselves. Certainly this year, the fact that on one of the polls that ASU was ranked in the top 20, that's huge. And the fact that there are some people out there, I'm sure now, that are starting to look at Arizona State and say, well, they're not the ugly stepchild anymore, right? They're starting mm-hmm. to establish themselves as a program. Um, and so I, I think that, that at least from my perch and within the our organization, you look at Arizona State and say, it's clearly an organization that it's, is making their way towards legitimacy and the fact of the matter is you look at some of the guys that are starting to come into uh, this program now, um, you know, the guys that I've seen this year, I mean, you have two draft picks in the NHL coming in. Uh, those are those are new blood and new stories to the ASU program. And I can only imagine with what I've heard about uh, Coach Powers, and I know uh, Coach Field, who's a good friend of our head coach, Peter, you know, he talks a lot about Mike Field, uh, that they're in very good hands. Ben, I, before we jump into the other players uh, that are commits to Arizona State, I want you, if you can, just to, uh, since you're a uh, Division three player and now you uh, cover USHL and you've obviously seen college hockey, um, give us a little comparison between, say, Division three, which is similar to ACHA, I would say, and NCAA Division one and USHL. For those that are listening out there right now, how do you compare those levels and how close are those three levels? 
Sure. Um, well, I mean, we'll start with the Division One level. It's obviously where everybody's aspiring to go, and I think Division One hockey right now is, I, I would argue, it's at its peak. You're looking at how many players now in the NHL are products of Division One programs, and the numbers are are pretty amazing. I don't know them off the top of my head, but uh, I know they're they're as they're as high as they've been. Uh, you know, dating back 10, 15, 20 years, not that there wasn't college players in the NHL back then, but the sheer number of them now and some of the elite players that you're seeing come out of college hockey. You think about the Brock Bessers, Johnny Goudreau, uh, that's just to name a few that are really lighting the lamp at a, at a pretty big rate in the NHL. But uh, D- Division Three, um, at the end of the day, you see a lot of Division One transfers that come to the Division Three level. Um, you know, that's the that's the truth. It's guys that still want to play in a competitive atmosphere and still want to, um, you know, play for a school. But for whatever reason, maybe they weren't going to be the number one guy at a Division One program, so they made their way to Division Three, and then likely at that point do become a number one type player or a top-line player. I would probably throw the USHL in between there. Um, a top-end Division Three team would probably beat um, – uh, the, 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 probably the lower half of the USHL and they would certainly play the upper echelon of the USHL with some very good games would probably beat a lot of those teams strictly because of maturity and because of the fact that there's a, there's a handful of USHL guys every year that do go play division three hockey. So, um, just as we've seen an uptick in division one hockey, I do think division three hockey has seen the growth as well there. I don't know as much about the ACHA. I do know that the upper echelon teams of the ACHA have a lot of talent in their roster. Um, you know, the likes of obviously what Arizona State used to be on the, on the door of a Division One program now are Division One program, um, and so that would probably be the that would probably be the the steps I would take. I'd go D one, USHL, and D three are a little bit of a mix. But again, your difference is your Division three college players can be anywhere from eighteen to twenty four where in the USHL you're looking at 17 to 20 for the most part, can't be older than 21. Yeah, that's uh, well, listen, that's what I, the more, that's what I, hold on one second, Paul. Uh, that was, uh, that was what I was getting at is the, the age limit there. And when I talk to uh, ACHA coaches, you know, they like to sell their programs uh, versus division three as um, yeah, division three is very good. And ACHA is getting better and, and they think it's very competitive, but the differences that they tell me is, you can go to a university at Arizona State or Arizona or UNLV and go to a bigger university if you want to go there and still play some pretty good hockey where most no of the uh, Division three programs are at smaller schools. And, and those are better for some people, and maybe some guys just prefer the bigger cities. So that, that's what I see, and I don't know if that's a fair assessment or not. I think that's an extremely fair assessment. You're exactly right. I, I, I think about, I, I, I'm not even sure if I could name what the biggest Division Three hockey school is out there. I mean, I, I think about the, the MIAC, the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, which I played in, and I think St. Thomas was the biggest, and I think they maybe had 10,000 students, so you're still talking very small in the relative scheme of things. So I think that's an extremely strong assessment, uh, Scott, to say that, if you want to play Division Three hockey, you're probably going to have to be willing to adjust to a smaller school. And if that's not for you, then ACHA hockey is a fantastic decision because you're exactly right. You still get to play hockey. And, and if you're at a certain school that takes it very seriously, which I know there are schools that do, you can play some very good hockey with some very talented players. All right, Paul, jump on in and uh, 
and right. ask some Ben some stuff on some of these guys that are coming in. All right. Well, you mentioned I was I was not going to start with him, but since you mentioned uh, Ryan O'Reilly uh, as somebody who's gotten to see him play yet didn't see him every day, what was your takeaway on a guy that is considered uh, a top top line player and will probably play right away uh, when he gets to Tempe when they start up? It's an interesting player, Ryan O'Reilly. I, him being in Green Bay, I only got to see him a handful of times a year. He was in Fargo last year, so I saw him a few times there. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot about him, to be candid. I, I never saw a lot in our games. And, again, it's a very small sample size and players right. have off nights. But I didn't see a whole lot from him. What I do know is the tools that he has. He's a big frame. He plays a power forward style. And, when he wants to put his willpower to the test and grind his way to the net, he's very, very hard to stop when he does that. Um, so look for a winger that's going to take the edge route to the net more often than not. Uh, and, and why I think maybe him and Mancinelli could be great line mates because they're going to play with some tenacity to go with some skill, obviously, to boot. All right. Um, a guy that you did mention as we uh, prepared – for this program tonight, uh, you said you uh, had a pretty good idea of what Sun Devil fans will see when they uh, watch Benji Eckerly. Uh, he was kind of a late comer to this recruiting class. Um, what should we expect to see out of him? I'm a big fan of Benji Eckerly. I loved what he brought to the Tri-City Storm. I think their GM and head coach, Anthony Noreen, does a spectacular job down there. Saw he just got a contract extension today, uh, well-deserved for Anthony. Um, but Benji Eckerly, I got to see him a lot last year on a Tri-City team that was an Anderson Cup champion Tri-City team. So they won the regular season in the USHL. Didn't see him as much this year, but when I did see him, he picked up right where he left off. The guy's got a motor that never quits, and I love that in, in a forward, someone who when he gets on the ice, his feet never stop moving, and uh, he wasn't afraid to find the back of the net either in some of the games that we saw. And He was a major component in last year's Tri-City team and the fact that he wasn't one of their top-line players. They had Shane Pinto, who was a second-round draft pick, they had a blue line loaded with studs in Zach Jones, also drafted to the New York Rangers. You had, uh, as well as his partner, Ronnie Adder, who was a Philadelphia Flyer draft pick. But Eckerly was kind of a, an under-the-radar guy for me that every time we played them, and Des Moines played Tri-City eight times last year. It was a great series, uh, back and forth. And I, he always stood out to me. He was a guy that would score a big goal when the team needed it and he would take a big face off if the team needed it too. So I'm a big fan of Benji Eckerly. I love players like that. I like those guys that are under the radar, and uh, you may not notice them, but as a guy who's got a coaching background and a whole bunch of different things, I love those guys that will do anything it takes to win a game. Um, and those kind of players uh, uh, that come under the radar, those are coaches' dreams because those guys – uh, you need those guys to win. You can have all the high-end talent you want. If you don't have those kind of guys, you don't win. I love those kind of guys. Now you really got me excited to see him. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, and you think about the way an ASU has to probably recruit, and he, he's a quintessential ASU recruit, in my opinion, because you're going to get a lot of output from him. And at least until we, again, we get to that point ASU does in that legitimacy, 
you have to probably try to find some guys, some diamonds in the rough, because you might run into trouble trying to get a guy who's being recruited by North Dakota to come in, right? At least at this yeah. point in time. So Ben Jeckerly to me is is a great get because he's going to bring you that steady presence every single night. Uh, that's going to help your program in a big way. And you said that uh, that uh, Mike has some familiarity with Ryan O'Reilly. Um, do you? Some of that has to be said for Eckerly too, since they grew up in the same place, right? They got to be about the same age. Eckerly and Mancinelli did. This is news to me. I didn't know Eckerly's hometown. Oh, they really? Just, Northville. Oh, yeah. Wow! Wow! Well, Look at there that. You I, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, who knows uh, what kind of uh, uh, conversations went back and forth? Maybe these guys. You know, listen. Right it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened at a college yeah. program. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, the other guy that's coming in uh, that played in the USHL that we haven't really talked about him yet, um, at least in, in terms of the Fords, uh, we got a chance to speak to uh, Jack. Uh, was it? Was it? Was it? Oh Jesus! No, Jack, I can't. Jack Molesky. Yeah, Jack Molesky. Jack Molesky. Yeah. Um, in, in Dubuque a couple of weeks ago about Matthew Copperud. I'm assuming Dubuque and uh, Des Moines saw each other a bunch uh, during the regular season. Yeah, we did. Um, I think up until the point we got to where the season uh, concluded prematurely, it was I think we'd seen them four times and we were set to see them another three or four times to end the season. So um, if we would have got to finish the year, I would have had a lot of fresh knowledge on on Matthew Copperud. <laughs> Um, but uh, thinking about what I saw of him early, and that Dubuque team was stacked. I, I thought they were the best. I thought they were the best team in the league. I really did. I, I they would have they would have been my pick to win it all. I know Chicago out east was blowing the doors off of everybody, um, but I just thought Dubuque was mature. They were steady. They had so many different lines of talent, and um, you know it, it's interesting. Like Copperud. I vividly remember him, but that team was just so, so deep. Like players individually almost didn't stand out to me as much as that team did. But what I can remember about Copperud was, uh, I know he was a 99 birth year and he played like it because 99s was the age out year this year in the USHL. So he was a 20, if not 21 year old by the end of the year playing in this league and he played like it. Uh, he, He played a very straight line game. He was very good on the wing and he created extremely well. I know he had more assists than he did goals, and I think he was almost a point-of-game player for Dubuque this season. Um, and that's saying something because that was a Dubuque team that they scored a decent amount, but they weren't like a Chicago was who was setting scoring records. They, they were more of a defensive team, so to have a, a high point output on that Dubuque team meant you were playing extremely well within a system that Oliver David, their head coach, uh, lays out for them extremely well. Um, so Copperu to me is a playmaking type player. And if you put him with the right players, which Oliver David did in Dubuque, he's going to give output for you. And he did that with the fighting saints. All right. We got one more guy that uh, we know you saw. And you, once again, you mentioned him in uh, our discussions back and forth before the show, uh, over the last week. Uh, one of the, the other draft pick besides O'Reilly that uh, ASU has coming in is the goaltender Cole Brady. Um, draft pick of the New Jersey Devils. Um, I don't think you got to see him much playing in Fargo. 
but what were your immediate impressions of him? Uh, well, we saw him four times. Uh, he well, played did. every, yeah, twice at the beginning of the year and then twice in January. Uh, he played every game against us, I believe. And, I mean, he played almost every game for Fargo this year. That's the one thing that stands out to me. Uh, he played uh, as many minutes as anyone in the USHL this season. He was second, I believe, in, in the league in, in minutes. Uh, he was also second in wins to go with it. So, I mean, you think about goalies that, that play as many minutes as they do, and, and you wonder about their numbers. And I think Brady was over a 900 save percentage this year. Was. Two, two, seven, two, eight goals allowed, maybe something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those, those are great numbers for a guy who played as many minutes as Brady did. And um, the, from what I remember about him, the, 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 the most recent memories, uh, the unfortunate side of it was he didn't have to be very busy as Fargo put a little bit of a romping on the Bucks last time we played him. I brought up that, that discussion with Mancinelli, that was the night after we got stomped up there night one. So uh, he wasn't very busy. I think he might have gotten a shutout night two, but it was like five nothing or something like that. So it wasn't he was he wasn't shining by any means. But um, I, I mean, I just look at the numbers that you see and the fact that he has broad shoulders. Right, he was willing to play yeah. and capable of playing that many minutes and that many games. Um, for a Fargo team that I really think was coming on late in the year, they were one of the teams out West that I was sleeping on thinking, I don't know if I'd want to match up against them in the playoffs, let alone travel alone, but just the way they were playing. So, um, and clearly New Jersey, uh, the devils have some stock in him with him being a draft pick of theirs. So there's eyes that are a lot better than mine that see talent in him. Yeah. The goaltenders are, are, are hard to figure out. I, if you're, if you weren't a goalie, uh, you and you you haven't played goalie. They're hard to figure out. If you, yeah, you know you almost just look for smoothness as opposed to anything else. Uh, trying to figure out uh, whether the guy can play or not, because uh, you assume that uh, that 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 they that you know that you know being able to move quickly and not be herky jerky. Uh, kind of adds to the athleticism and, and adds to the to the package, but you know goalies are weird because you're getting in front of that 90 mile an hour <laughs> shot. And that, no offense, Coach Powers. I know you you will hear this eventually. But it's still weird. All right, so so Ben, before we let you go, I want you to uh, to take a couple of minutes and just tell everybody listening here in the desert Southwest about uh, Des Moines, Iowa, about the Buccaneers hockey. Tell us a little bit about your building and, and the franchise itself. And, uh, you know, if we got kids down here that like to go play in the USHL as well. There was one up, uh, well, several anyway, that are making their way up there right now. So give a shout out to uh, Des Moines Hockey and tell us what it's all about. Well, uh, I know, I know uh, before we talk about that, I, I did want to give a shout out my cousin, uh, Scott Prunovich. Uh, I know you guys are talking about him early in the show, a cousin of mine. So it was excited to hear. Oh, you're welcome. Excited- <laughs> <laughs> He's excited a former Bulldog, so am I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was excited to hear him get uh, the nod there. And I always joked, uh, you know, I was a decent hockey player in my right. And I always said, I think I was the best hockey player in my family. And uh, there's been a lot of years now where I've been really wondering if that is the case. And this is the official dagger in the uh, the family <laughs> coffin that Scott is officially better than me now at the sport of hockey. So I see uh, Scott Brunovich on that. <laughs> Just but, tell him that you're the one that pushed him, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, 
but I digress. Uh, the USHL in Des Moines, uh, it's been uh, it's been 40 seasons, actually, uh, that the uh, Bucks have been here now for. It's a tremendous program and the fact that there's a, a ton of history here. Our building was built in 1960. It hasn't changed a whole lot since. There's a character quite literally dripping out of the walls in our building. Um, I, I highly recommend getting to a game if you're ever by chance in Des Moines, Iowa on a weekend. For what reason you might be here, I don't know. Um, but it, it's a great building. It's a cathedral of hockey, I like to call it. And it has this uncanny ability to make even 1,500 people on a Tuesday night sound like 5,000. So when we get three uh, to 35,000, or not, sorry, three to 3,500 people in there, on a given night and a Saturday night, the place absolutely rocks. So it's been a really, um, it's been a treat for me to be involved in this and to to join the tradition. And um, we, you know, when I jumped on, uh, I was actually in the midst of an ownership change uh, that brought back uh, Scott Clemenson, who is a longtime NHL goaltender and actually an Urbandale, Iowa, which is where the team is actually located. Uh, born player, he played for the Bucks. Uh, he's now an owner and has been a great owner, has Scott, uh, since he took over with some other gentlemen. Um, and so it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a future that the Bucks are looking forward to very much so. And kind of how do you usher in the next generation of fans is the big thing with Des Moines because our fan base is great, but our fan base is old, right? So how do you right. turn the page to developing the younger generation of fans is, is a big thing in, in Des Moines right now in our organization. So um that's kind of the big off the ice thing and on the ice uh they have a, i think it's let's see four clark cups and four anderson cups uh playoff championships and regular season championships it's been a while since they've won their last one it came in 2006 so um with the new ownership has come a new effort at trying to to bring that excellence back onto the ice that the bucks saw in the 90s and 2000s when they were winning all those championships but um, these three years have been uh, uh, huge in my career. I've seen my uh, abilities not only as a broadcaster, but as a salesman, as a social media representative, et cetera, which is a part of this job that you have to come in knowing you're going to wear a lot of hats. And I've seen a lot of growth there. So I'm very thankful for the opportunity this organization has given me. And I'm greatly looking forward to what the future of this organization brings. All right, Paul, you got any final things for Ben? Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think we're good. I mean, uh, we could probably go on for a little bit longer, but uh, <laughs> we've taken up enough of Ben's time. I uh, really appreciate him uh, getting back to me last week and, and, and agreeing to come on this week. Uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future here. This has been great, fellas. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and, and as a parting note, I, I think that the growth of ASU is just a fabulous thing because – I'm a big proponent of growing the game. It's such a wonderful game that has given me so much, and there are a lot of people around this country in areas that uh, could benefit a lot from this game, and, and there are a lot of great athletes that we want to get playing hockey, right? And, and yeah, the, more that ASU, the more that ASU can do to grow as, as, as their culture does down there and bring hockey to the desert I think is, is wonderful. And like you guys said earlier, the additions of, of Palm Springs and other AHL teams moving into the area is only going to do wonderful uh, things for the game as well. Exactly. Ben, Ben, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, tell Scotty congratulations when you talk to him. Uh, six Bulldogs now with the, uh, the Hobie Baker, and I'm a proud Bulldog alum. So uh, I will see him when he gets down here because I know he's going to make that uh, Blues roster sooner or later. Yes, my father was a Bulldog too, so a lot of Bulldog pride in our family. Good to hear. Scott, Paul. Thank I'm you. outnumbered. 
Yeah, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Have a good evening. Thanks again. Be safe out there, okay? You too, guys. Thank you. All right. We, uh, we appreciate Ben stepping in with us. Uh, let's take another quick break. Paul and I will come back to wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Hi, everybody. This is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what Dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago, and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive, too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com, and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. You find your prime with M-Drive. All right, and we're back. Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, out on Long Island, New York. Paul, what a great guest we had, and congratulations to you for continuing to pick up these uh, these guys from the USHL. I know it's not an easy task, but fantastic job. Ben was awesome. Uh, Jack was awesome a couple weeks ago, and, and let's just keep it rolling because that's some great hockey talk. Well, uh, let, uh, I'd love to do that. Uh... We keep hunting them down. Uh, Jack helped me get a hold of uh, Ben this week, and and uh, we go from there. Uh, once again, I want to thank Ben Gislason for uh, joining us and giving us over a half hour. Uh, I want to thank the Coach Powers for joining us last week. That was a great conversation, and I'll get the rest of the thank yous in. We never really mention it, uh, but uh, the people that do uh, some of our spots and billboards for us uh, – Leah Miller and Tony Jackson. Uh, those are the other voices you hear on here every week. Uh, and I don't think we've ever mentioned them. So I want to make sure I do that too. 
Yeah, fantastic. That's a great point because we couldn't do this without everybody behind the scenes. Of course, our uh, executive producer, Terry Strandy, as well, does an excellent job for us. And our man, Zach Bondurant, if there were pictures in podcast, Paul, Zach would be the man to do it. Well, listen, if we, we, if we were smart and there were pictures, it'd be his face and not ours. So that's, uh, <laughs> you know, um, we're the guys with the faces for radio. Zach, on the other hand, good looking dude. So uh, and a great photographer and an absolute phenomenal photographer. Uh, go to website, well, IceTimeHockeySW.com and check out some of his pictures. Go to the Instagram account. Uh, this is usually your job, but I'm trying it anyway. Uh, go see some of the stuff that he does and it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And, and let's not uh, take away from his graphic uh, artist skills. He's been doing a lot more of that for us and hopefully we'll do some more down the road as well. Uh, a couple of things we want to leak out there right now. We do know a partial uh, schedule for the Arizona state sun devils. We know that they will be in St. Cloud. We found that out via the St. Cloud state uh, website and right. we've already made plans to make sure that uh, Zach and I will be there. So uh, that's, nice. that's, that's your be, job. Yeah. That's west of the Mississippi. That's your job. Yep. Yep. So we know that for sure. They're also going to play in Denver uh, the first weekend in uh, December. And Zach and I will also be there. So we'll have uh, pictures and we'll have uh, everything that we can possibly do for you on that. And then uh, we're going to drag you with us, hopefully, at Christmas time, a little after Christmas, to uh, Milwaukee to the FI Serve tournament. Uh, they're doing a lot of promoting right now, and we're excited for they the are. Sun Devils to be there. Uh, we're looking forward to being there. We're going to make Paul get in that airplane and fly on out to Milwaukee because it'll be a little warmer than it will be in New York then. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's, let's, no. let's not get crazy now. Uh, I can guarantee knows? you it will not. It will not oh, be. So God. just a little housekeeping uh, bits on that. As, uh, as everybody knows, we are now a uh, 6.30 Pacific time, 9.30 Eastern time podcast. You can catch us on Podbean, at iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow along. We have Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly on Monday nights. And Tuesday night, it's College Hockey Southwest Weekly, which is our staple for NCAA hockey. And then, of course, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly on Wednesday nights. So 7.30 on Monday and Wednesday, 6.30 uh, Arizona time on Tuesdays. Paul, I'm going to let you run away with it for the last two minutes. Let's uh, give a little shout-out to some of our sponsors. All right. Now, not a problem. College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila for the best margaritas and more. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com uh, and get yourself a bottle or two. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Call ahead for pickup or citywide delivery with a fee. Uh, call them at 1-702-541-5546 and ask about their 30% off sale for the rest of April. Or go to Jesse Ray's Barbecue, that's jessieraysbbq.com, and place your order today. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community for over 25 years. Call or go online to behindthemask.com. Um, and uh, Randy will bring his stuff out to your car. So you don't even have to get out of the car to get it. Uh, buy summer skates, uh, shower shoes, koozies, and more. Uh, show your game in comfort. Uh, get some of those. Uh, the shower shoes are really, my, my kids like them. 
there were, you know, I got beat out of a pair, but you know, Hey, that's the way it goes. Right. Uh, they just weren't wide enough for my Fred Flintstone feet. Um, by college bar and grill at our bigger and better location at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Call them at 1-480-5886451. Place your order to pick up your lunch or dinner on your way home. By Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Junior Sun Devils. By OxyPow, the natural way to clean and deodorize your office or your equipment. Check out the new line of hand sanitizers. Order yours at oxypow.com. We got a couple of bottles here this week, and my daughter loves it. So it, you know, she wouldn't say that if she didn't mean it. Uh, she, she, she loved what it smelled like. She loved how it worked. So uh, go to oxypow.com and get yourself a couple of bottles. Uh, by M-Drive, it's about energy, stamina, and recovery. Go to mdriveformen.com and use the proto code I-C-E-T-I-M-E-S-W, that's Ice Time Southwest, to check out for 20% off your order. And buy the Ice Den, Scottsdale and Chandler, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes and home of the Coyotes Youth Development Program. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Wow, that was a mouthful, Paul. You handled it professionally as always. As I made a promise to our listeners last Wednesday, there is no more empty highway. From now on, we're taking the new Roger Klein Hello New Day, and we're taking it to a new level. We're going to open and close with Hello New Day because, Paul, I truly believe there is going to be a new day very shortly. So Hello New Day, here it goes. Have a great week, Paul. We will talk to you you next week week on College Hockey Southwest Weekly.